0: Amen, amen. Well, we just want to continue in our series, Essential Church. You know, church is essential. It's essential. And how many know that you make up the church, though that means you are essential to God and his purposes for your life. And so I kind of subtitle this, Why Church Matters. I want to just give some basic, practical, Teaching. Some shall shout basic. basic. Just real simple, practical teaching about why church matters. Now, for some of you, you may think, oh, I know that. That, you know, I, I come to church. I, I know that. I know that matters. But you know what? There are others that may be listening that, that really don't know, that don't have an answer to that. Like, okay, why do we come together? Why does church matter? And, and is it essential? And so that's what I want to share with you here today. So this is the third week in our series. And uh, one of our texts has been Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. God has put everything under the control of Christ. How many know Christ is the head? Christ is over every governor. Come on now. He's over every president, every nation. Christ is where our allegiance belongs to. I want you to know that. Now, I've shared before, I'm very patriotic, and I love this country, and and I think God is not finished with America. Okay? You need to know that. And, And there are tremendous things ahead for our country. But really, Jesus is the head. And, and we need to follow his voice for our life and our family. Can you say amen? So he's the head. Christ is the head of everything for the good of the church. So that's a good thing. The church is Christ's body and completes him. And so there's something, you think, well, he's self-sufficient, he's all-sufficient. He doesn't need anything, but right here it says there's something about the church that completes him and that fulfills Christ. The church is Christ's body, completes him as he fills everything in every way. And we use this text also in uh, Proverbs 29 Uh, 18 says, if people can't see what God is doing, that right there is this day and age. (laughs) People are terrorized. They are going crazy. They are fear-filled, and it's more pronounced in certain parts. They are having upheaval. I mean, people can't even leave their homes in certain places. It's it's something you, you think you read about in the times past in history, but it's happening today. It's happening in America. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I don't know about you, but I want to be most blessed. Amen? Even in the midst of fearful and terrorizing situations, how I many of you know we can still be blessed as a people? Men. And so we said this just by way of recap that the kingdom of God is under great attack globally in this season. And I, I believe that. And I believe that also that's happened throughout the ages. And it always is that Satan hates the church. Did you hear that? Satan hates you. He does not love you. You know, I remember one time I heard someone say that, you know, if I just leave the devil alone and I don't do anything to ruffle him and get him mad at me, he's going to leave me alone. How many really believe that? Come on. Uh uh-uh. uh. You know, he just, he hates you because you love God. He hates you because you, you want to be a worshiper of God. You want to serve him. He hates you and he always will because you are part of his body, the body of Christ. How many with me say amen? And so, yes, we know that there are political, there are racial issues in our nation uh, that are at stake, and and, and I believe those things are going to be unfolded, and and, and I believe God's going to bring healing, and it's going to be a supernatural healing that will be revealed to all. But I I really believe that Satan is, is out to destroy God's church and our freedoms to worship God. Can I get an amen? You know, these are things we, we, like I said, we read about in past history and we don't recognize that some of this in certain areas, it's more pronounced going on right now. You know, I just read an article about the L.A. mayor, Eric uh, Garcetti, excuse me, threatened to shut down electricity and water to churches that meet. This is happening right now. Just pull the plug. Shut the electricity off because you know, we, don't, we don't want you to meet. And I don't even know if you follow John MacArthur right now. This 81-year-old preacher is like a soldier for Christ. And he is infusing hope into a lot of churches in America. And he's saying, come to church. Show up. You know, don't be afraid of them. Do the right thing. Our allegiance is to God first. Okay. Now, we can meet here in Minnesota still, but in other parts of the country, they're, they're shutting it off. Uh, they have an attorney, Matt uh, Staver, and he, and he said this, this. Did you ever dream that Americans would have their water and electricity cut off because they dared to worship God? He said it's happening right now. It's happening right now in certain places. So we need to thank God that we, we can meet, but also defend God's purposes in the earth. Can I get an Amen. It may ruffle you up a little bit, but I'm just gonna keep going here this morning. The church is the key to the moral order of a civil society. If you really believe that, which I do, I do. If you don't believe that, then church doesn't matter. Then it doesn't matter that you don't meet for nine months to a year, or, or, or two years. It doesn't matter. Let me tell you something. What about the families that are trying to raise their little children in the Word of God to come to children's church? Come on, somebody. Or a youth group, and they hear the Word of God, and those little children, follow with me now, those little children memorize verses, run home with little colored things, and talk about Daniel in the lion's den, and how God delivered it. All of that is taken away away from them church matters you better believe it matters. It matters for little ones. It matters for youth. It matters for adults. It matters that we get together. You know, I just heard a statistic that when when most of the churches that in America heard that that this virus came out, it's like you uh, we, uh, we heard the story. Millions, tens of millions of people would be dying and 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 it's a real virus and it, and, and it's serious and, and and so we did what many other churches did and we we just went online and 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 things, you know, we had a lot of viewership there and and then, then the more we went on, less people viewed, less people viewed. and Why? Because the novelty wore off. And how many have done a Zoom meeting before? Don't you just hate Zoom? <laughs> you know, it's just, a, it's like, well, at first, everyone was excited. Productivity, they say, in the business world, shot up with Zoom. Woo, people excited. I can be home, I can do my work at home, or on the beach with a background, you know. And, you know, I, I, this is great productivity tanked after a few months why people need other people people want to be connected to others it's like okay this isn't cutting it this is no fun can I get an amen so the church I believe is the moral order to a civil society it's the staying power I wouldn't want to live on this planet if there wasn't the church (laughs) it would be chaotic and watch this the local church we said this last week is foundational to God's plan for his people did you get that I want you to, to, to sink in. Because some people are nonchalant. And now more than ever, uh, you know, let me just be careful how to say this, but, but you know, th- this, is the, this is a season and a time where more than ever, we need to be drawing near to our God. Drawing near to him more than ever. The local church is foundational God's plan for his people. I believe that. Uh, the local church is the way God intends to accomplish his mission in the world. Thank God for the evangelists. Amen. Thank God for those uh, missionaries that go to the nation. Thank God for the great teachers that are out there and parachurch church ministries. They all help. But God's plan is the local church. That where we would grow and we would see his mission accomplished in and through the world. And the church, I believe, is the only society that exists for the benefit of those who are not its members. How many of you know that all the craziness that's going on out there, follow with me now, all the riots, all the hate, all the violence, those are the people God wants to reach. That's who he loves. So we exist for people that aren't here. <laughs> Always remember that because we're not getting into a holy huddle here at Harvest. Amen. We're we're moving forward. We're moving forward. Exciting things are ahead for this church. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Exciting things are ahead for this church. So very quickly. We talked about this the last few weeks. Uh, we talked to some 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 basic points about why church matters. It is primarily through the local church that God wants to make himself known. And we talked about that, uh, uh, how Paul said he doesn't build upon another man's foundation. And and he knew that when there was a church in a community or a number of churches, and he would say, you know what, God is moving there even though everyone is not saved. Everyone doesn't know the Lord, but there's a church there and someone could go, so there's a representation of Christ. You know, how many of you know that, in Alan, Alexandria uh, the Alexandria is is, is reached in other words, there are many churches in this community, just like surrounding communities that are Christian churches, that are proclaiming the truth, and I know many of these pastors, actually I'm one of the older ones right now, because I stuck around <clears throat> uh, with no hair, but <clears throat> I'm still here, <laughs> after 20 years, my wife and I, we're still here, uh, but but you know, uh, that that they're preaching the word of God and truth, and, and so you could, you know, God forbid, be messed up on drugs, or high on a Saturday night, or going through a crazy situation, stumble and go, I got to go to church and get right with God, and you can do that here in Alexandria. Did you know that? But you can't do that in many nations. You can't do that in Japan. You can't do that in many parts, of, the, especially in northern Sri Lanka, outside the Colombo area. There are not churches there. there are not, there's no representation. There's Hindu temples Buddhist temples, and uh, you know, there's other, uh, uh, other religions, but, but not a Christian church. And how many know Christ is about the gospel, The message, the good news. That's why he came. And that's why we serve the Lord. Can you say amen? And so he knew that. And Paul, uh, then we see that, excuse me, the local church should matter to us because it matters to God because we are Christ's body and we are essential. The Bible says that in Ephesians uh, 1, 22 and 23. The Bible says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him, Jesus, to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, as we read, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. So very quickly here, uh, the third thing I want to just say, throw this out, the church exists for God's glory. The church exists for God's glory and showcases it in a unique way. How many know the church is built for Jesus, by Jesus, and on Jesus? He is central. Amen? It is simply unthinkable then to separate Jesus from the local church. And I thought, okay, what's a good illustration for this, maybe one? If the gospel is a diamond in the great salvation plan of God, then the church is the band, the ring that supports it, holds it up and shows it in its greatest light for the world to see, amen? So here's the thing I want to leave with you with this. If the, if the local church matters to God so much, which it does, I believe it, because why? How many know Jesus died for his bride, future bride, right? He died, for, it matters so much to him. It should matter to us. It should matter to us. And that's why I believe there are times and seasons we should stand up, that we should speak up, amen, in love, and we should defend what matters to God, amen? So Dwight Moody, he said, this church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to to a sick person. So true. Fourth thing, very quickly, <clears throat> about a church, why church matters. The local church is where <clears throat> excuse me, the believer grows. The local church is where the believer grows or should grow. It's a place where he should grow. You know, if you, if you show up at some church <clears throat> and the guy reads from Reader's Digest and never has any Bible verses and you kind of wonder around, what's going on here? It's probably not a church. It's probably not a place where you can grow. How many know you need to hear the word of God to grow, and you need to be preaching under the anointing? So Ephesians 4.11, very familiar passage to most of us. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers, why? We know. To equip his people for the works of service. One of the mindsets been up in a lot of denominational churches that clerical Joe does everything. Clerical Joe would be moi, you alright? Know, I marry everybody, bury everybody, I counsel everybody, I help with all the divorces, all the untimely deaths, and I do everything. And the pastor dies. Or he moves on and quits, and you get someone else. So that's why we're part of an equipping church. Why? You see a lot of people up here outside of me. Amen? Amen. Isn't that right? If you've been here long enough, you know, like, you know, the pastor's not trying to hang on to the pulpit. I'm trying to empower people to do what's in their heart, what God has called them for. Amen. Now, if you're not called to preach, but you think you are, everyone's going to (laughs) know. Amen. (laughs) And I didn't know when I started off. and, And one of the things that was a revelation to me. When we started the church, we started in our living room, 20 years, we started the church with three people. And uh, my wife kept saying, why do these people keep coming back? Thanks, honey. (laughs) She had all this confidence in me. I don't know why they're coming back. She goes, they keep coming. We have no more room in the house. So we had to go to the tech school. Why? Well, there was a grace for that. Amen? And there's a grace on your life. Every single one of you has a grace. And we need to see that grace. So harvest is about equipping, build up, Building up. How many with me say amen? <clears throat> so, so it is primary in the local church that Christians learn biblical doctrine, receive reproof, train in righteousness. I want you to see this in John chapter 11, verse 44, interesting verse. It says, uh, Jesus just raised Lazarus from the dead. What an amazing miracle. guy was dead, okay, for days. And he raised them, and then he said, roll the stone away. And they said, Lord, he stinks by now. It's going to be pretty bad. Roll it all away. And he calls them forth, and he comes out, as Paul just here, And he comes out. But this is what Jesus says. Now, watch this. This is the role of the church right here. Jesus said to them. Somebody shout them. That's you and I. Take off the grave clothes and let him go. How many of you know Lazarus could have come out in skinny jeans with an iPhone? in new earbuds, amen? He could have come out ready to, you know, woo, he's good to go. He rose, he he was awakened, his dead man became alive, but he was bound still. Come on, somebody. He still had all these grave clothes. And what did he say? Take off the grave clothes and let them go. So it's one thing to get the clothes off that are dead, but then let them go. So there are things in our life we need to have taken off and we things we need what? Loose so we can let go and serve God. That's the purpose of the church. One of the main purposes of the church, to help take you from out of Egypt into the promised land. Can I get an amen? And you know, I just think about that, the church's role and, and you know, he doesn't come out all good to go. There was some work that needed to be done, even though a miracle happened, a true transformation in his life, of salvation. The guy was uh, from death to life, but there was still work that needed to be done, and that's why, you know, Harvest is not a TED Talk church. Amen? In 15 minutes, we shut it down, or 14 and a half, and, and we talk about, you know, all these great principles And uh, over the last 20 years, we have been pouring in the life. And, you know, we started off, we didn't have children's ministry. We didn't have youth ministry. We had zero ministry. (laughs) We had me stepping out of the bedroom and going, hi, to about a handful of people in a living room. But I had vision. I I, I saw the future that there will be children someday. There will be outreach. There will be missions trips. There will be someday. And so I preached with that in mind, even with a handful of people. What am I trying to say? You know, this is a this is a real church. <laughs> Okay, we're the body of Christ, and uh, even though we're in a season that you know there's uh, uh, of difficulty and challenge, and in, in, in people and, and and other churches have been harder hit harder than us, and with people and fear and, and not returning, and and so uh, you know all of these things are just heavy, heavy on people's lives. But but Harvest is a church that that ministers, excuse me, ministers, and it matters to it matters each ministry. You know. Uh, 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 Katie's not here and she's dealing with the kids but you know those kids there how many know what's happening to them right now in the Bible verses that they're learning is important is essential it matters. That's been going on for 20 years. We've had different workers and helpers through the years, and I know I don't want to pick on people here, but I know Diane is here, Mittendorf. She's always, she's back there. She's probably back there right now. I'm loving on the kids. How many of you, you serve in children's ministry at some capacity in the past? There they are in the back, the salmon's right up here. All of the, you've, you've served. Okay, great, let me just pick on you, Caitlin. Come on up here. Oh my God. We just love her, you know? But you need to understand, come on, come on, come on. This kicked on you. Okay, so, so I knew you back when? Since I was born. Since she was born. How old are you? I'm 18. Great, I'm not that old. <laughs> <laughs> but, but did you go through children's ministry? Mm-hmm. And, and, and did you learn anything in children's ministry? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And so you were part of youth. You still help out with youth, don't you? Yeah, and you've been into youth, uh, uh, you've done youth trips, missions trips, you've been on youth outings and camps, right? And have they impacted your life? Yeah. And so, so, do you love God today? I do. Did, if you never had that, where do you think you'd be at today? You don't know. No, I don't know. But has it helped you in your walk with the Lord? Yeah. Somebody praise God for that. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> the church matters. Here's one that was an infant, and Caleb, I could do the same thing with him, and there's others here, and, and with AJ, and, and some of them, this is younger kids. And how many of you, you want your little kids to grow up? Come on, parents now. To know God. See, here's the thing you need to understand. You need to understand something that they may seem like they not get it, and they may rebel at a certain season, because how many know just going to youth group or children's doesn't guarantee they'll serve the Lord. But you know what it does? It sure builds up an armament to know in a difficult situation, they will remember. Yeah. they will remember you know what I remember what my youth director said one time I remember what Kim said or what Joel when he helped me out and he really spoke to me or, 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 or Kevin and they helped counsel me and they met with me or Sean or whatever and I, I remember that time and you know what I just I don't want to do that right now because that's going to send me down a pathway or I'm in the middle of a jail and I remember oh a song comes to me from children's church and I begin to weep and I give my heart to God that's why church is essential we're talking about eternal things that affect people's lives. It isn't that take it or leave it. Oh, we miss it. When you miss church, and this is not a condemnation, this is not a religiosity, I'm just saying that there's things in the moment when you miss, you miss. <laughs> you may watch it online, but in that moment, you miss, because the Spirit of God moves. And so, so what is that? That just tells me everywhere my wife and I went. Even in Boston, when it was a challenge, it was a real big challenge to find a Local church, we sought for it everywhere we move. It's like, where could we be plugged into a church that we can grow thereby? That we can grow thereby. How many with me say amen? amen. So, I spent a lot of time on that one, but you know, uh, the local church let me just say this provides opportunities for growth that actually they're available nowhere else. Uh, you know, how many know that people they, 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 they need the intensive time. They need the effort. They need the prayer. They need the love. They need the support that only a local church can provide a local church can provide. And there are people that, that, that come to encounters with God, as I shared a few of that, and outside of the church, maybe they saw something on TV or they heard something and it sparks them and they, they, they come to Christ and they're like, I, I need to get plugged into a church, but they come back and, and you know they, they have gaps in their knowledge. There's, there's misunderstandings. There's things they don't know. And I remember one time a lady who was part of actually my dad's church and she came out of, uh, she was alcoholic, and, and God set her free. And, and she was kind of, a, kind of a rough character, older lady. And, and But everyone loved her. She loved on people. She was real high, outgoing, and boisterous. And uh, she said, I bleed the Bible from, you know, Genesis, like the beard, to Revelation. You know, I'm like, okay, this lady's a little bit, needs some help. There's a gap there. Help me with me? Amen? So there's a gap. So that's what the church is for. For, excuse me, uh, patiently teaching, training, Week after week, answering questions. I remember I used pastored for my wife and I for uh, seven years in that specific role, and more nine as an associate. But seven seven years in that, and there were times that where kids would show up. All right, This was out in in Ashby, and and they would show up uh, those first few years, and they'd fall off the map, and you try to reach out to them, and you hear disheartening things with them, and then all of a sudden, five years later they show up because they knew we were meeting on a Wednesday night. Come on, somebody. And when all their world collapsed, the only stable thing was the church was meeting. And they would show up with a 100 other kids standing there. I'm like, where you been? And they were broken. They'd give their life to the Lord, and they'd come back to the Lord. Jeff was part of that. Many, many of those. Jeff Anderson, just such a helpmate with that. And he was Aaron and her holding up my arms. And we had great, great times with that. And I so appreciate that with Jeff. But you would see them after years later, and God would touch their lives. The church is essential. Can I get an amen? So, uh, you know, Pastor David Jeremiah, he said this, every believer is commanded to be plugged into a local church. And I thought, wow, that's pretty strong. But you know, I believe that's backed up with this verse in Ephesians 2.19. The Bible says, Paul tells the church, now you are no longer strangers to God, foreigners to heaven, but you are members. Come on, somebody shout members. Right there. Of God's very own family, citizens of God's country. And watch this, just leave it at that. You belong in God's household. Somebody shall You belong. That's where we belong. We belong in God's household with every other Christian. Can you say amen? amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Uh, very quickly, here, I'll end with these, these two. The local church is the place where believers submit themselves to spiritual authority. Now, here's the thing <clears throat> believers should <laughs> submit themselves to spiritual authority. You know, how many of you know that trust takes time? Amen. It does. And God gets that just as much as you know we get that too. And so many people from all walks of life, they struggle with the issue of spiritual authority. And the moment you mention it, they go, oh, God, here you go. You know, this is going off the deep end here. And, and that's that, that especially prevalent in America and, and especially in, in, in the younger generation. And, but it affects all people. It affects all people. And what's very sad to say is many people will not accept any spiritual import or critique from anybody they regard as an authority figure. That's prevalent in our day and age. And we see that with mayhem and the rioting and the the upheaval. I remember one time I came back from a missions trip and this other pastor and I, Pastor Steve, we came back. We were in Russia and Ukraine. And we came back, but we got wind. this was back in the 90s that this, this lady, this dear sister, that, you know, she, she was a single mom, and she wanted to get married. And, but then we heard about this guy that came in, and he just, it was a lot of mystery about it, and it was some not good things. And so we just had questions, but we didn't impose ourselves upon this woman. We didn't tell her, well, you can't do this, you can't do that. That's not what we're talking about. But when we came back, the first thing she did, she came up to her, she said, I'm getting married and here's the date. So in a moment like that as a pastor, all you go is, well, congratulations, you know? And she said, I heard God, and God told me I need to get married to him. Okay, (laughs) you know, end of story. And she was kind of, this is what I'm going to do. And other people were just like, I don't know about this guy, what the situation is. And, and sure enough, she gets married. And within a, a year or so, he took all of her money. And he was a drunk. And there was some abuse situation. And it was just the whole thing imploded. And here she is sitting three years later in the church, broken. And we could have said, well, uh, we had a little insight at that time that we could have helped you along the way that maybe you should slow things down and take some time. Come on, somebody. Somebody here with me. So it's it, when you were in relationship with people and you know they love you, we need to listen. Come on now. God, I'll be quiet here in this full gospel church. We need to listen. And there are things that other ministers said to me, I, I don't really like at the moment. <clears throat> you know, I blew up like a toad. You know, I didn't act properly. But, but you know what? They are God's me- messengers to help us along the way. Amen? Help us along the way. And so that thing blew up. And then I heard of another, I was firsthand with a situation. There was a, in another church a a guy that was actually on staff and, and he started to get a spirit of offense and he didn't like what's going on. I'm watching this whole thing and then how how he was handling and, and his distance with the senior pastor and I'm kind of caught in the middle of it. Come on, can you feel that? And I'm just like, oh, what's the right thing? I want to do the right thing here. And, but just the attitude was wrong and then some families got upset about it and come on, you know the story. And then they left in a huff and all of that and and the, and the whole thing just blew up and then and then months later, uh, he actually leaves the the state and, and, and goes away. But he was in a certain ministry that he really wanted to be in. And he trained and he went to Bible school for that ministry. And, and next thing you know, the whole thing is just imploded and he's not in ministry and he's not doing anything. And I asked him, I remember, because I, I used to sit with them and have lunch and say, what did you do before? He said, well, I was in a Sam's uh, warehouse in the refrigerator department and it was in the Southern State. And he liked that because it was really hot so he could stay in the refrigerator. And, and he said, I really cried out, I felt God had something more, this specific ministry for my life. And, and he brought me into this ministry, and I'm so happy. But this offense got upon him, and he couldn't shake this. Hear me, my brothers and sisters. Offenses are from the devil. Right. Yeah. And they are to shipwreck you from God's purpose for your life. And I know what it's like to get a spirit of I don't know why I need to be strong in this, but I just feel the presence of God. that They, they want to shipwreck you from God's purposes. And they get you offended, and it starts from a little crack. And it keeps working on that thing. You know, I don't like. He doesn't. He's not. You know, the, uh, everything starts to look wrong. You need. A, you know how you do that? You hit your knees. God, forgive me. You start praying for that person. You're offended at. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching better than you're responding. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm talking history here as a minister. I know what I'm talking about. Because I got caught up in that. And he didn't do that. He got offended. Next thing you know, after 15 years... 15 year circle from coming out of the refrigerator, you know, being in ministry, doing stuff, traveling overseas. And I mean, just the, the, it was wonderful until all back. And then I find out, and I asked this minister, I said, Where's this guy now? He's back at the same Sam's in the same refrigerator doing the same job. Oh my goodness. Talk about going around in the wilderness and walking around and coming right back to where you are. Listen, we need to learn our lessons. Amen? Otherwise, we're going to do some laps in the wilderness. I don't want to, listen, I came from dry cleaning. I don't want to go back to that. (laughs) Come on. I thank God for the people that did and when I did it, I did it the best I could but that wasn't my calling. Amen? Thank God for those that are called to that forever all right, I'm getting off track. I'm almost done here. And so what am I trying to say? You know, my wife and I, we have been here from the beginning of this church in 1999, the fall. Still, we have some people that were still with us here, precious people. They've put up with us for all these years. And and, and so what am I trying to say? All the good, the bad, and the ugly, and and, and the mishaps out there, that's all out there. But we are still here. We are not perfect people. I don't know why I need to say this, but I just feel, we're not perfect. We're not without blame, but we are trustworthy. Amen. Did you hear that? Amen. Okay, my wife and I, it is, once again, we're not perfect, but we're still here. Okay, I'm not trying to stand on another platform. I had, I've actually had opportunities in Minneapolis. Someone called me for a megachurch and said, please, will you come take over our church? Our pastor has this moral failure. I said, how many in the church? 2,500. I said, no, I'm just sharing that with you. I really feel good about sharing that. No. <laughs> See, I got to be humble. And I said, are you kidding? How did you hear? She said, we heard about harvest in Alexandria, and we've watched some of you preaching. And they said, we have a position for you. Step right in right now. My wife thought about it, Maple Grove, you know. <laughs> but no, no, we didn't. We just like, God has called us here. He's called us to these people. And there's more than just this building we're at. There's a new building. There's a new church. There's a new outreach. There's more people. We're just coming through this season. Can you say amen? Stand with me if you would, please. Kind of got off track here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, let me just end with this because a lot of times people get tripped over. You know, let me just temper this and I want you to know what this means here in Hebrews 13, 17. I know what it's like to lead from the second chair. How many understand that, that comment? I know what it's like to serve someone else's vision. I didn't, my wife and I didn't start this church not knowing what it's like to serve under someone for, for many, many years. And even though you have something in your heart, you serve faithfully. Obey your spiritual leaders. Do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls. My wife and I, our job in the staff here, in the, in, in the children's ministry and all those, the, you know, the trustees, we watch over your souls. We care about your souls. You know what the end game is? You making it to heaven. That's what we want, and your children, amen? And so that's our heart. We watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. I'm gonna stand before God and have to answer how I spoke the truth. Was I faithful in it to, to, before God? That's a heavy, heavy thing. And it says, give them reason to do this with joy, not with sorrow, because that's not going to be a benefit to you. We don't want a contain Chris Crank, Cranky Pastor, do we, amen? <laughs> no, we don't. Worship team, you can come forward. But I want you to see something about that word obey, because that trips people up, and you know, we cringe. But it actually, in the Greek, it actually means paiso. It means to persuade. Breathe in. What does it mean? To have confidence in. Have confidence in your spiritual leaders. It means to be persuaded. It means to suffer oneself to be persuaded. It means to listen to, is what it's saying. And at times, to yield to. I don't like that, Pastor. That didn't go away. We may not see eye to eye, but it's okay, Pastor. You know what? We're, gonna, we're, gonna, we're with you. We're with you. How many of you know God can take pastors to the woodshed? And he has a big stick, okay? He can and and I've been back there and I don't like that, okay? He can he can speak, he can speak, and he can he can discipline his leaders. But but you know, I want you to know that even in this, I had to flesh this out, my wife and I, and other places we have served. And even in here now. Receiving counsel from people that, you know, just they have wise counsel. And I thought, they're right, they're right. I overreacted in that situation. I went a little bit off the deep end. Come on, somebody, you know. And I, I, it's okay, but you know what? I'm going to get centered again. I'm going to follow God. I'm going to humble myself, and I'm going to get back up. Can I get an amen? And I don't want a spirit of offense. Be very, got to be, you know, very conscientious of that church. Amen? I have another point, we won't get into it, but uh, I want to just conclude with this here about in Matthew. Uh, Matthew says this it says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault. We're talking about spiritual accountability and. and um, says this, and he says, between you and him alone, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two brothers along with him, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen to you, tell to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Wow, what are you saying? Man, what's going on here, Lord? You know, <clears throat> I kind of broke this down and I'm just going to share it briefly. Just give me a minute here. If your brother sins against you, and that actually means by disunity or by an offense. Interesting. It says, go tell him his fault. In other words, seek an explanation of his conduct. So you don't go tell him it. I'll tell you what you were... That's not what we're talking about here. Seek. It says, seek an explanation. What's going on? What happened? There are people I thought, they're offended. I don't... I absolutely i 'm clueless in this moment, my wife and I are like, What happened? Have no idea. Well, you know this happened no that 's not what we met where you said you know there's someone that got offended one time because I accidentally and i 'm an Italian, okay, so I, I apologize for that, but I said the devil was stronger than God in a, in a sentence, and they got in a fit. How many know the devil is not stronger than God? How many would you, after twenty years, every week, weekend, and week out, never make a mistake in your words? Amen? Mine's recorded and goes online. Can we take that out, please, in the soundboard? I didn't mean to say that. She got offended of it. Come on, people. Amen? <laughs> we're here because we love you. And God's called us here. And we're for your best. We're for your best. But the Bible says that seek an explanation for you and him alone. And then he said, if he doesn't listen to you, watch it, if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you. In other words, watch, you don't take, you know, knuckle-dragging so-and-so to come by. I'm ready to throw down, you know. That's not what you do. It actually means people he loves and esteems. Come on, somebody. That's who you bring with you. And And a lot of times when you bring a person like that, what's the first thing that happens? Their head goes down because I love, I know that man loves me. I know that woman cares for me. I know they're out for my best. They're, they're, they're not. And, and I'm caught up with something. Now, so I'm going to close with this. Thank you. Still before noon. Two minutes. I know I said that a minute ago. Forgive me. But firsthand, my wife and I just came back on the trip got to spend time with our two daughters. A wonderful time. Uh, but I actually had to ask this guy three times to tell me the story. Three times. Because I couldn't believe it. It's so insanely crazy about how the church ministers and reaches out to people. So this, this guy is telling me the story. And he said, I work with the guy. They're in a highly specialized. They do a lot of military uh, contracts and for the military and, and, and I'll just leave it at that. And he said, I've known this guy for decades. He's worked with me side by side. And he got married 13, 14 years ago and he said he came out, he would witness, watch this, he would come. I knew this kid. He said come and witness on the streets and he, he would share his faith and, and after he was newly married and something happened, things started to happen in their marriage. Things started to get really ugly and then he got injured and through the injury, uh, the doctor kept prescribing him medications for pain. He got addicted to that. Okay? It got so bad that the wife and the whole marriage imploded like really bad. Okay? On faithfulness, it was just crazy. And then he went off to the deep end. And I'm asking him, I'm saying, You mean this guy? He goes, Yes, he went off the deep end. What's plugged into church? What's And he says, He just went off the deep end and went crazy. And then he was taking drugs. He didn't eat anything for 40 days. He said he shrunk to a skeleton. And he would go nuts. So he took off, told his wife, and he said, that's it, I'm done with you. And they had $12,000. And they split it. You take six, I'll take six. He went to the bank, cashed it all in, the, the 6000 in $100 bills. And he says, I'm leaving. And he goes down to southern Southern state I'll just leave it at that um, and he just goes in the park and he's, he's, he's mind. he lost his mind he was like crazy and he would talk crazy and he was hallucinating and all he was living off of the meds it was so bad and he would pass out $100 bills just to say will you just spend a minute with me right now and people go yeah I'll spend a minute and take the $100 bill and within a few days all of it was gone he's homeless this is all true I'm like "Are you say that point again because I know this guy And he said, I said, well, what did you do? He said, I heard about it. And I was in the northern part of the state. When I heard about it, I rented a Suburban. Watch this. We're talking about the church now. I rented a Suburban with two other guys that knew him, that loved him. And I drove all the way down. I said, how did you know where to go? Well, we heard last from his ex that he was at this certain dumpy hotel. So he shows up. Nobody's there. And he asked the hotel. He said, has this guy been around? He said, he hasn't paid his bill. And so we threw him out. He said, can you please, what is he owed? So they paid and said, can you please tell us the moment he comes back, let him in. So two days go by. They're just down there waiting. Two days go by, he comes and he shows up and the hotel calls and he's here. So this guy, this friend of mine that's telling me this, he said, he goes and knocks on the door and the guy opens the door and he said, he looked like a skeleton. And the first words out of his mouth were, it's about time you showed up. And he said, what's going on? And he he said he was talking crazy, you know, like outlandish, goofy. I mean, I said, what did you do? He said, well, we got him cleaned up, kept him talking, you know, didn't get in an argument with him, loaded him in the Suburban, drove him all the way back and helped process him through and prayed with him, you know, helped minister to him, started feeding him, help him, and, uh, you know, just supporting him and just got got a a text that said, you know what, he was back with his wife restored said posted celebrating 14 years of marriage you wouldn't know that from that but the church stepped in and the church reached out and it loved because they made themselves accountable he really he, he knew someone in the church that knew him and he wouldn't give up on him church that's the church come on every head bowed here this morning Hallelujah thank you God. You know, God knows exactly what He's doing when He established the church. And what, what I wanted you to know today is that the church is essential. It's essential. You are essential. God will use you in a way just like that if He needs to, to rescue someone. But you are the church. You are God's people. And the, what, I, what I want you to do is to, to recognize that, but what I don't want you to do is ambush that call on your life to shipwreck God's process in your life, in your lives. See, if God's church really matters to Him, it should matter to us. Amen. You're here this morning, and maybe you're watching by Facebook, and you said, you know what? I've been angry. I've been offended, or there's an offense going on. I need to get right with God, and and I want to come back to God. No church is perfect because it's made up of imperfect people. But you know what? You can begin again you can begin again by humbling yourself and God will reach out and he'll save you and he'll restore you more than what was taken from you. I believe that. You're here this morning and maybe you're watching online and say, Pastor, pray for me. Let's pray together corporately to receive Christ to be established again once again with him. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin. Jesus, come into my life save me. Fill me with your spirit. I give you my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus name. Amen. Friends, if you prayed that, we have just a link right here. We'll post that for you. You can get connected. You've decided to follow the Lord. God has a plan. He has a purpose for your life and he's going to fulfill that through the local church, wherever you may be. Amen. Church.